Welcome to the Conscious Marketing Podcast, where marketers come to channel their inner superhero and unlock their superpowers. On today's episode, Todd and Nicole break the mold and talk about some serious issues we are facing in the industry. We explore the questions, how can companies consciously handle scandal? And how can we have accountability without public shaming? Welcome again to the Conscious Marketing Podcast. This is Todd Social here with Nicole Kelly, a.k.a. Nicole Kelly Rocks. And the topic for today's episode is something that's going to hit home for a lot of people. We're going to be doing something a little bit different because there are a couple of things happening in our industry that we feel we need to address. So the topic is the shame game. Uh-oh, some of those who are listening right now are kind of shaking in their boots. I can feel it. I can feel that vibration. So, Nicole, why don't you set us up? Thanks. So, yeah, today is a little different. You know, normally we kind of take a topic and um, it's directly related to just kind of general topics in the industry. But in this case, I wanted to talk about some specific things that are actually happening in our industry. I was on the cast again on Sunday and there was a discussion that I think is really important for us to be having and that we have it in a very transparent way. So it appears that high-ranking officials at several agencies are silently disappearing. And the theory is that these agency executives are being fired for sexual harassment claims and then not being allowed to quiet and, and are being allowed to quietly exit. And so the conversation we had on the Beancast was about whether or not we felt that they should be allowed to leave without facing public scrutiny or not. And as this is going through the industry, and quite frankly, the sexual harassment claims are coming out daily. Uh, In our industry in particular, there have been several who have been affected. We've seen this. uh, We've seen public stories of those who have been accused. And I don't even want to, like, I don't want to name anyone or give energy towards any of that because this conversation is about the shame game and how that works. And so, you know, I just wanted to talk about that story. And then I also wanted to talk about another story that was on Medium. And it appears that Bentinho Massaro, who is someone I have followed for quite some time, was essentially pegged as a cult leader on this, on this, um, in this article. And so I just wanted to kind of open the conversation for, you know, how do you handle it when there is this clear ethical breach? And also, you know, what is our responsibility as marketers and media journalists in ensuring that we aren't putting out shame and that we're actually held accountable to the claims that we make. So that's kind of the setup and I guess we could take it from there. Okay, so with that being said, people, this is gonna be rapid fire. So definitely listen listen in because we're really gonna be delving delving deep down into it. Man, I'm having word problems today. (laughs) My word cloud is not working for me right now. Hello, Mercury (laughs) retrograde. (laughs) (laughs) So, so basically, how, how can companies consciously handle scandals like this? Well, um, the first is to really take a deep look inside, right? You know, when there is a sexual harassment claim inside of an organization, it's highly unlikely that it's the only claim and it's highly unlikely that it's the only occurrence and or the only person who is involved. Sure. This typically comes because there is a culture 
of harassment that is going on that's deemed acceptable. Some of the organizations that I used to work for, you know, and I wasn't necessarily sexually harassed, I'm not stating that, but I will say that the conversations always bordered on sexual innuendos and sexual um, comments that were made by women as well as men. You know, this uh, to me is not a gender conversation. This is just a conversation about how how we want to keep the conversations in an organization and whether or not these conversations are appropriate and actually moving the company forward. And so when something like this happens, the first thing to look at is the culture of the organization. How was this allowed to happen? What is happening inside the organization in terms of do people feel like they can speak up? Obviously, if you have one report, it means that one person felt like they could speak up, but are there others who haven't spoken up previously that this has maybe been going on for a while. So looking internally, finding out the true depth of the issue, how the culture has supported um, sexual harassment and or assault, and then really how are you going to move forward? So looking at all of those things, but then creating a communication plan in terms of how are you going to communicate this to employees? How are you going to communicate changes in your policies as well as just it, it, you know, in like just what is and isn't acceptable anymore. And then ultimately, like, you know, understanding that there are people at both sides of this, right? So, you know, we don't want to vilify people. I just don't, you know, like, people make mistakes, and I'm not defending anyone who has potentially offended somebody. And at the same time, I also just recognize that we make mistakes and, and we need to be able to move forward from those, for the, from those mistakes. So how can we allow people an opportunity to correct the mistakes that they've made and, and either keep their jobs and or leave in a way um, that allows them to maintain a, you know, some kind of sense of, you know, honorability, you know, and um, yeah, so like that's kind of it, right? Like look inside and and be really, really gentle with this kind of a topic. You know, the decisions don't have to be made immediately in terms of how to communicate these things, but they do need to be made swiftly and that you don't let this build up over time and let the rumor mill start because once the rumor mill starts, you're likely to lose employees. You're likely to, you know, have a lot of um, just a lot of, of rumors going around that aren't serving the organization and all of that gets out, man, to think that like, if you don't announce it, that nobody knows. Now people know they're, they're noticing it. Well, yeah. And I think the, this last series uh, of events um, have basically um, really brought out a sense of truly understanding the patternization of different levels of accountability, depending on the scenario, because you, you know, if you go from Harvey Weinstein to Matt Lauer, they're two completely different scenarios, but yet similar in behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and so essentially, how can we, how can we actually have accountability with, without the public shaming? Yeah, well, this is a, this is an interesting one because like I said, you know, this is viewed as like the ultimate infraction, right? When you get uh, accused of it, but then it's been tolerated in the organization, you know, like the situation with Matt Lauer had been going on for, and both of them had been going on for, for years. And it was just simply that it wasn't reported. So, you know, um, obviously you want to have accountability for those that have 
you know, potentially offended somebody. And then also we want to just also have compassion and understanding for people on both sides of the fence, because this kind of stuff happens because we have this interesting relationship with sex in our society, especially in the United States. Um, if we talk about, you know, this episode is very much about the shame gain. There's nothing that I, I would say that we hold more shame for in our society than sex. And that is how this happens, quite frankly, is because we have been, you know, essentially like withholding our sexual desires and hiding them behind closed doors for, you know, hundreds of years because we, you know, say that, you know, sex is like that what we do and what we say are two different things. So just really uh, being really compassionate to, towards everyone that's involved and and honoring everyone that's involved, that these are humans on both sides of the equations. And it isn't necessarily always just the person who committed the offense who is affected by this. So, you know, Matt Lauer has a family. He has children. Um, and that's a, that's a really big example. But, you know, we've had other examples in our industry that are, you know, what you would consider the marketing celebrities who travel these speaking circuits who have come out recently as well. And, you know, these are individuals who have families, they have children. And so the, the same for the person who was offended as well, you know, and there, and it just making the report is the first step, but then you have to deal with like everybody knowing that that happened and that you were involved and that you were taken advantage of in some way. And so there's shame that comes on both sides of that. And so I would say that, you know, the first thing to do is to bring in experts that can balance the emotional response inside the organization. This can bring up memories of significant trauma for people in their childhood. Anyone who has ever experienced any kind of sexual trauma, these kind of things that happen inside of organizations just bring all of those emotions back up. It's how you get that huge fear response. It's how you get the anger and all of those things is because we have personal experiences where we have considered ourselves the victim of someone who has treated us inappropriately. And so bringing in experts is, is really key here and having open and honest conversations in a group where people feel like they can truly share the truth of what's going on without fear of retribution from executives that quite frankly may be part of the issue. So at this point, you know, I would say um, uh, this is a really great time to bring in um, the woman from Scandal. <laughs> like that's what, Olivia that's Pope. Olivia Pope, thank you. Um, because, you know, you really need to not only manage the, you know, the story and how this is told, but in an honorable way and yeah. in an honest way. But you also need to open the floor for your staff to just, man, like what happened here? How did this happen? And how do we prevent it from happening again? Tell me everything. Tell me everyone that's involved. Tell me every time that it's happened. Tell me every occurrence that you've seen happen to someone else and really start to look at, is this an epidemic in your organization that it just so happens we have one, you know, linchpin, if you will, that we're saying it's all this one person, but in fact, it's a culture that has been created in the organization. And I've just seen that time and time again, where it's more embedded in the culture than it is an individual person that is, um, you know, the main infractor. It's, it's a team of people who treat people this way. And because it's happening at senior levels in the organization, it's deemed okay. It's even covered up, quite frankly, so that those people who are you know, deemed so important in the organization, they keep huh. their jobs, they keep, 
their reputation and they go to the next job and no one knows what's been going on. And, and, and there's accountability on all sides of not only ensuring it doesn't happen in your organization, but also ensuring that it doesn't happen in the next organization that that person goes to. Well, being the, the guy of, of this podcast, I just wanted to first say from the door, we should always honor women and honor, you know, when they do have the courage to come, honor them when they have the courage to come and speak and honor them even when they're struggling. Because, you know, one of the things is I feel as though, you know, I was, I was thinking about all these um, recent outgoings and, and even like the ones in Congress which have really like, like take me, taken me aback. I'm thinking like, this is really like mad men, you know, in that sense where it's like, they really want to be you know, like society really wants to be in that time period, but yet we have to move forward yet. We have to live and exist in today's reality. And I feel like there's a, a pause for a lot of these, these men where it's like, that's what they did. And, and I, I can agree with you, like culturally speaking, you know, it is a culture. It's not, you know, it, you might see, I feel like a lot of these men are the martyrs of what the culture actually is. Because for, for Matt Lauer, for instance, to actually do what he did over years, it took a lot of people to accept it, turn, mm -hmm. you know, turn a blind eye, just, you, you know, as long as it doesn't happen to them, so on and so forth. You know, uh, Kevin Spacey, you know, uh, an actor I, I, I loved forever, you know, for him to do, you know, essentially what he's been doing had to happen for years. And it, it was a culture thing. Mm -hmm. You know, they well, make and just remember that these are, you know, um, these are claims that are being made. So this is alleged yeah. that they've done yeah. this. And, you know, the interesting thing to me is that there's a lot of alleged claims that are coming out. And I truly believe in speaking up and speaking out if you have been harassed or assaulted. And I also just noticed that I'm not seeing a lot of criminal cases come out of it. So, you know, in many of these cases, there's true assault and, um, and, and things that, you know, you would expect some kind of criminal charges. So, you know, this is like, it's a touchy subject, as you said. And so you want to honor everyone that's involved and then also just recognize that, you know, if it's happening, it's an, it's likely an epidemic and you need to, you need to find the source of the epidemic and, and it, it can be on both sides. You know, like I said, I've yeah. been in organizations where, you know, women aren't considered to sexually harass because, you know, if we go and say, you know, something that with a sexual innuendo, it's like, we're viewed as like cool and like part of the guys club. <laughs> I've experienced that many times in my career. I was like, you know, I would say that, you know, many times in my career, like I was always considered part of the guys club because I could hang with their level of conversation. And I thought, you know, like I thought their jokes were funny. And now like coming into my own even more, I'm like, wow, like, you know, this view of sexuality and the female body, you know, check yourself on looking at women and only seeing their body, you know, sure. <laughs> and like, and, and really like honoring, like, looking at them beyond the physical and, and into their true value. And the same with men, you know, women do this to men as well. Men with like really nice bodies, you know, you told me that, you know, he used to, um, he used to drive for Uber. He was like, uh, for a little bit and, you know, like getting groped by women and he's like, and it's just like, <laughs> it's like considered okay for a woman to like 
hit a guy on the ass, but if a man does it, it's not. And so I just want <laughs> accountability on both sides that we need to sure. have a conversation about sex and our views on sex and the shame that we've been feeling that causes all of this is really just a result of not being able to fully express oneself sexually in a way that feels authentic. Okay. I, I totally agree with you there. I totally agree with you. And, and, and you know, because these are accusations or, or allegations and, and it, it is a tricky situation with this because depending on the scenario and depending on statutes and everything, you, you know, you, you never really know. But I, I think, I think the kind of, you know, I, I want to get into the second topic because I know it's a little bit more personal, but I think to kind of pivot from that, just, you know, culturally speaking, it is a culture, whether it's women, whether it's men, whether it's a, a combination thereof, it truly can be a cultural thing. So for, for those of you out there, you should be paying attention to those signs mm-hmm. and, and not want to be a part of, of the, the entourage, so to speak, essentially. Yeah. And honestly, it is really good that this stuff is coming out. I mean, this is the time of disclosure for sure. So all the stuff that's been happening behind closed doors that people are doing that lacks integrity and um, isn't, you know, um, doesn't honor the other person, like all that stuff is coming out. So man, like I'm, if, if you're involved in anything that's even, you know, remotely out of alignment from an ethical standpoint, I would highly recommend you stop. I expect that we're going to, you know, you're seeing sexual harassment right now, you're probably going to see drug use starting to come out, you know, like reports of how many executives are drug addicts and alcoholics and um, how many people, you know, are cheating on their spouses. You know, this is another thing that runs rampant through these industries or these affairs that are happening behind the scenes. And so, you know, I just encourage people to like really get real with yourself because, it doesn't really matter what's happening around you if you're whole and center and you know that you are acting from a point of integrity and that you honor people on both sides. And, and when you display that and you embody that you honor yourself and that, you know, you're not an object of sex, then people will stop looking at you like that. And that's again on both sides, right? So, you know, Uh women, just as much, you know, we, we sexualize ourselves just as much as men sexualize us. And we do that through, um, it's just going to be so unpopular, but I'm a female. I'm just going to get really real and honest about it in terms of the way I see it. And it's certainly not going to be, um, could not be, it may not be popular. I'll say, but you know, the way we dress completely sexualizes us. And you see this, um, in business context, but you certainly see it in, our personal lives where we're intentionally wearing clothes that are very revealing. And I'm saying wear whatever like really makes you feel good and that you feel whole in. And I'm not suggesting that women cover up their bodies, but I am also suggesting that women honor themselves and they wear clothes that feel really good to them and honor that they honor themselves and aren't looking for that kind of attention. You know, we, you wear this tiny little skirt where you bend over and we can see your butt cheeks hanging out. And (laughs) I just asked the question of like, like why, you know, like what do you get from that? Like what attention are you getting from that? That feels really good to you. And why are you seeking that attention? And, um, and for men who see that and then immediately sexualize it, it's like, you know, why, 
is that why is that se- why is the human body sexual to you only sexual to you and um and where is the area where you haven't expressed yourself that is causing that uh, constantly and you know it's just between porn addiction and um all of the uh, you know and, and you're seeing racier and racier things on tv you're hearing oh, yeah. racier and racier lyrics and we've we've allowed this to become the standard where we sexualize each other and it's just we we can do a better job than this guys like we we created this as marketers i'll say because we are the ones who place the ads with the racy you know the racy ad you know they say sex sells and now everyone uses sex to sell and um we we create the you know, the, all, all of the content that's surrounding this, a lot of it we created. And then we, we were looking at it going like, oh, but that person didn't act with integrity. And it's like, well, 99% of us aren't acting in integrity when it comes to our sexuality and <laughs> honoring ourselves and not settling for some, you know, some, we're not settling for something that's not in alignment because we feel like we're getting our needs met in one way or another. Like I said, I am, about full sexual expression in a way that is consensual and um, honors both parties. And I'm also about honoring people by not sexualizing them and seeing the true soul that's on the other side, because we're far more than our sex organs. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I feel like, I feel like there, there's an emergence of consciousness and there's a conscious attrition, Mm -hmm. attrition happening um, in that sense. You know, obviously, every every story doesn't always bear you know a lot of truth, but uh, most stories do. And in that truth, even in in the ones that have falsehoods, there's still a certain level of truth to it. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it, all it, true, man. It's all true. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's all true in one way or another. You know, yeah. and it's and and it, even if there, like you said, even if there are slight mistruths or you know, something like that in there. It came from somewhere. And yep. if someone is saying that it happened, e- even in a case where maybe the, ch- let's say that the case, the story is 100% untrue. I'm just totally making it up and I'm making a claim. There's a reason I'm making the claim. And it's because there's a dis- there's an inequality somewhere else. Yep. So just knowing that like, this is a sign of inequity inside of your organization that absolutely has to be managed. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So um, with the next topic, I know this one is a little bit more personal. Uh, Median ran this article on uh, Tech Bro Guru inside the Sedona cult. <laughs> and I know you're very familiar with him. So kind of, uh, I just want to kind of let you talk really about that and, and kind of your experience and understanding and your thoughts on, on, on this article. Yeah, thank you. So it was interesting because this week was like, all of these articles were like, shameful thing you know it's like it was like pushing shame on people ultimately and so I saw this stuff coming out of our industry and then I also see this medium article where Bentinho Massaro um, is called a cult leader and it's an article that I would say is a very well written article the argument is structured in a very thoughtful way the clips that are used to support the article are very well edited (laughs) And it and and it's not for me about whether or not Bentinho is or isn't a cult leader. Quite frankly, um, I would say I wouldn't. I, I don't know that honestly because I'm not a part of his inner circle. But I would say that it caused me to sit down and say, you know, when we 
like get into the situation as a journalist, right? And I'm writing a story like this and I put a title on it that is calling a group of followers being part of a cult. There is some, there's some accountability for that, that this is a group of people, you know, Bentinho probably has about a hundred thousand followers. And the, the net effect of that is that now all of these people are receiving messages from their families like, oh my gosh, you know, you're part of a cult and all of that. And mm. um, I just feel like, you know, this was, uh, these are articles that are written for headlines and for clicks and for traffic. And they don't necessarily like honor the person on the other end. You know, I didn't see, this isn't like Medium went and asked any other Bentinho Massaro followers for their perspective on it. This is one person's perspective and it's being presented as truth. And that's the conversation that I really want to have is what is our responsibility when we present articles where it could result in public shame? The truth is the truth, right? Like we always want the truth in journalism, but my experience of journalism is that it's not about the truth, it's about traffic. And so the way that this article was positioned was absolutely designed to deliver traffic. And how do we be more conscious about the way that we cover these stories in a way that honors everybody on all sides? This was absolutely an opinion piece that was presented as if it were fact. And I think that that is not really fair for, for medium to put something like that out in that way. And it's not fair to Bentinho and his followers that it was put out that way, right or wrong. I feel there is just a more ethical way that we can present this conversation about how, you know, there's a movement happening in the world. And so when you use words like cult, you scare people away from, from some things that are true. And sure. I think we need to do that um, consciously, you know, and, and ensure that, that what we're saying is, is not like a personal bias, but it's something that is true. It's actually true that there's documented evidence. And I will say this, that while the art, while the article presents a fairly well thought out argument, it doesn't present facts. It doesn't present, uh, you know, facts that prove it. And, um, and then, you know, like, how does that fall into legal liability? You know, like, this is an article when I read it, I was like, wow, like this is so well written that there's, there's, no, there's no way that a lawsuit could even be filed because it's clearly, in a, it, like as a marketer, I know it's an opinion piece, but I know that the readers of Medium, they just don't realize that, right? They think it's totally the truth. And so they're gonna do this search and it's gonna have, you know, one of the mm -hmm. top trafficked websites is gonna show up and you know, what is Medium's responsibility here, you know, where they have a third party writer that's coming in and, and telling the story. And so I open it to you, like, you know, what do you think? And, and, and what do you, you know, how do you think that journalists, what, what accountability should we have for, for the outlet as well as for the journalist who is quite frankly, just like painting an ugly brush, putting an ugly picture on a human, you know, <laughs> like it's a human at the end of the story. And there, all of these other stories, these are humans at the end of the story, and we're treating them like villains. Well, I, I think um, I think we have to really, if we're, if we're going to discuss really the evidence of conscious truth, I think we have to separate the difference between uh, journalism to reporting, because I, I felt like this for a while. It's like, you, you know, Medium is a platform, people can write their what they consider their fictional truth. Mm 
Um, that doesn't mean that it is based in fact. But then so is most platforms now where, you know, there, there's, there's a sense that everybody thinks that they're a journalist just because they have something to report. And it goes back into the essence of, you know, what we were talking about in the beginning of the shame game. It's like nowadays, instead of people actually communicating and, and sharing their truth, if they, if they feel that they want to make other people accountable and, and they'll, they'll make themselves a journalist or label themselves a journalist and report fictional truth. You know, but reporting is just basically saying something and it doesn't mean that it's really based in fact. And unfortunately, you have this this uh, bottleneck of actually content that's conscious and reporters or journalists who are unconscious and they're fighting for the same uh, segmented space. Right. And also, I mean, media outlets are fueled by advertising dollars. So, you know, there absolutely is a drive to get clicks and traffic yep. to these sites because that's how they get paid. And so we have a misalignment of monetization strategies that ultimately are not supporting the collective and providing truth, quite frankly. It, there is every incentive to write a sensationalist article versus having a journalist do a real well-researched uh, actual report on something. Why? Because a sensationalized article can be created in a couple of hours with a few web searches. I can just write it off the top of my head. I can go find, you know, so, so a couple of uh, quotes or something from another article in order to support my claim. And then I hit publish and suddenly it's generating all of this traffic. Whereas journalism, in my opinion, is actually finding the truth. It's asking the questions. It's interviewing people. It's providing well thought out research on what actually was happening. And, um, and, then, and then also having it validated by others, right? So like, it's not just your opinion. It is uh, validated and and has information coming from other peoples that are validating what you're saying as well. And I just think it needs to be done with care because, you know, the, the public shaming has become the norm. It, it's totally okay for an article to, you know, for a news outlet to post a story about how big someone's butt is, as an example, you know? We accept this in our society that we can talk about people's bodies. And this goes back to the prior conversation of like, how does this happen in organizations where we have sexual harassment? It's like, I don't know, the New York Times, it totally can post articles, you know, shaming someone for their body or how much weight they've gained or um, the decisions they're making in their personal life and run it to millions of people with no retribution for that in terms of what happens in that person's life. And, you know, the prime example of this was Monica Lewinsky. She was the first public shaming in the internet era, if you will. And sure. she, did, she did a TED talk on this and she was like, you know, this stuff causes suicide. This causes depression. This causes people to lose their families. This, I mean, this has real impact on people's lives. And so it's important that we tell the truth and we do it in an honorable way that allows people to have dignity and to continue on in their lives because every single person that's being reported on has to walk away from that story and move on. And when you destroy someone's career, when you destroy their family and you destroy their ability to live in their communities and it's not based on factual evidence, 
I feel there should be some kind of accountability for that for sure. And I'm not saying in any of these cases that wasn't the case, but I didn't, I also haven't seen that factual evidence um, that actually proves that this stuff actually happened. It's, it's other people saying that it happened and there's claims and I get it. And I also just think that before we start reporting on this stuff, we need to know that it's true. And when we report on it, we do it in a way that has a very high standard for integrity and honoring that everyone makes mistakes and everyone should have a right to, um, to have some kind of, you know, some way back, you know, like it, it shouldn't destroy someone's life because I made a mistake. And I just, that's what I see happening in our industry is, you know, it's becoming stories that destroy lives versus help build them up. I feel, I almost feel like shaming is a sexier way of, of, of saying, of, of not saying bullying, because it seems like bullying was a thing. And then all of a sudden that just got swept under the rug. And now, now we're on the public shaming. So right. what if you are a target of, of shaming and how do you handle that consciously? Take a deep breath. <laughs> Seriously. Take a deep breath because this is energy, you know, this mm -hmm. is, this is energy. This is unresolved energy that is coming at you based on something that you've done to think that you're not responsible for it in some way is naive. And if you did what is claimed, then own it because the way to get beyond something like this is by being honest, by apologizing and showing that you are going to take action that is going to help it not happen again for you. And I think in many cases, you know, it's people just wither away. They, they, they close themselves off because I get it, man. Like I, you know, I said it on the whole Bentinho article, I was like, man, like, that's got to be tough because I know like, you know, I can sense energy. And so like, I know his energy is pure and I know that his intentions are really pure. And for someone to then take all of these things that he's doing around trying to build community and build conscious community and, 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 and um, organize people so we can have change in the world. And then to then have that being, the, the evidence that is used essentially to say you're a cult leader, it's like, man, like that hits you right at the heart. And so, but also recognize that it is a mirror, you know, these are mirrors for you and everything that's being shown is there for you for a reason and taking a deep breath, getting centered, really looking at yourself and saying, how did I cause this? How can I resolve it? How do I feel about it? What happened prior in my life that led to this, this idea that this was okay? Um, in terms of like something like sexual harassment, if you've actually done something that, that maybe at the time felt okay, and then it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize it offended somebody, or I knew I was offending people, and I was just being arrogant and didn't think there would be any retribution for it. Like really get honest with yourself, take a deep breath, get clear, and then do something to 
rectify the situation. Meaning if you have sexually harassed somebody or sexually assaulted somebody, um, seek guidance of a spirit. I would, I would go for spiritual guidance. I was going to say go for therapy. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, therapy isn't a, a valid alternative. I just know that that system tends to create people who just go to therapy every week versus resolve things. So I would seek spiritual guidance. I would, I would seek, um, mentorship from others who have been through traumatic experiences because, uh, on the result of shaming is trauma, you know, uh, watch out for post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, which is absolutely can cause and, and really just like find the people who like are still standing next to you. Cause there's, there's one thing that we know and that I've experienced is that when you're on the rise, everybody wants to be your friend and everybody wants to come around. But when it looks like you're on the fall, man, you notice that people just whoop, <laughs> fall out of your life because you're no longer, you, you no longer are of value to them in some yep. way. So pay attention to who sticks around with you and know that, man, that's your soul family. Those are the people that you can count on. And, and, and if that is no one, if you're totally alone and you are under attack, then know that you can connect to source. You can connect to spirit guides. You can connect to spirit animals, like all of these things that we talked about in the last episode. You can connect to other sources of energy and information that will help you feel whole again and heal. Because on both sides of this, there's a lot of healing that needs to happen. And we have not been a society that supports healing. And we're very much about pointing fingers and saying, you did this and you should not have, but not, oh my gosh, here's how you can heal what caused it. And a lot of this stuff is caused from unexpressed sexuality. It's caused from childhood trauma. It's caused from living lives that don't feel sure. whole and complete. It's a cause from being someone you're not. I mean, all of that combines. So yeah, just like take a deep breath and then find somebody that can be your rock, even if that's you. Okay. Wow. I mean, that that definitely uh, hits home and it definitely uh, speaks to me. Um, and I, I know there's probably people out there that it's going to resonate with. Um, and, but, you know, um, as always, it's something that just it's a touch point you know, that, that people uh, have to see in our society. I think we have footprints in, in, in our history where we have, we have to be able to pivot. Um, you know, we pivot, we either pivot away from consciousness or we pivot towards it. Um, and I think, um, you know, technically speaking, this whole shaming thing has just become something where it, it's, it feels like a, a trend instead, instead of a, a, a purpose you know, like a conscious cause. So I, I definitely appreciate, you know, you talking about take a breath because I think that's um, uh, super important. And speaking of taking a breath, we're going to pause briefly to, to be able to uh, give you some information about what we have up, upcoming, the Conscious Marketing Mastermind, uh, let you be in touch with one of our sponsors, Clearly Conscious, as well as other things going on uh, in the Conscious uh, marketing podcast community with Conscious Marketing Institute. So we're going to take a brief break and then we'll be right back with Nicole's tips. 
we've been asking ourselves some big questions at the Conscious Marketing Institute. What if the world's greatest marketers came together with one mission? To inspire humanity to embrace its full potential. What if we gave them $50,000 to execute the most inspirational advertising campaign the planet has ever seen? What if we are the superheroes the world needs? The Conscious Marketing Mastermind is a prototype to find out. As conscious co-creators, we will create a campaign to inspire humanity to step into our full potential and execute it with a team of the best marketers on the planet. If you're the kind of superhero who wants to be a part of something big and you have $25,000 to invest in inspiring humanity, go to ConsciousMarketingInstitute.com and click on Mastermind to learn more. The final group for 2018 will be selected on December 31st, so get your application in soon. What if your voice was the key to assist you in your conscious awakening? It is. The Conscious Marketing Podcast is proud to be partnered with Clearly Conscious to bring you advanced sound healing technology. Here's how it works. Go to clearlyconscious.ca forward slash conscious marketing podcast to submit your voice sample for analysis. The Clearly Conscious team analyzes your voice and sends you your own personal soul tone designed to harmonize and balance your energy. Just play this tone anytime or anywhere to immediately feel balanced. And that's not all. Because sound healing works at the quantum level, it helps to open your heart to unlock your true center of consciousness. If you're into effortless and you're into conscious expansion, there's no time like the present to check out clearlyconscious.ca forward slash conscious marketing podcast. As a special bonus, you'll also receive a personalized reading from a clearly conscious coach for just $50 Canadian. That's a 33% discount for conscious marketers. You are the superhero the world is looking for. Get harmonized and let's go change the world. Welcome back to the Conscious Marketing Podcast. This is Todd Social. Definitely here in the house with Nicole Kelly, aka Nicole Kelly Rocks. And this has been a powerful podcast today talking about the shame game and really getting delving deep down into understanding your conscious truth and accountability in, in the things that you put out there. And this is a time of the show where we ask Nicole to provide us with some excellent tips on how to uh, address it, you know, how to address public shaming, how to handle it consciously. So with that being said, Nicole, Please give us your, your free tips of the day. Thank you so much. The first is to end shaming. So, you know, we've talked about this extensively through this episode. It really, we are at a point in, in humanity where it is critical that we end shaming in media outlets, period. It is not supporting humanity. It is not serving us and it is not raising the vibration of our planet. In fact, it's detracting from it. It's holding us back and it's dumbing our society down. So we need to end shaming in reporting. We need to end it in advertising and we need to end it in content. And, and this, this is really about understanding that 
you know, how we feel as a society is critically important to how we feel as individuals. So when the news is reporting a whole bunch of negativity and shaming and pointing fingers and saying that villains exist, guess what? We find villains in our personal lives. We, and then we turn the finger on ourselves and we find ourselves as the villains. So really just to end the shaming. And that doesn't mean that we aren't reporting on stories where things are happening that need to be reported on, but we can do it in a very conscious way without shaming individuals, especially when we're talking about allegations and not um, actually actual proof, right? And there's been no um, court cases or anything that has actually validated that these stories are true. So in the shaming, start reporting on something when it's actually relevant, when you have the information to tell a good story. One of the things that I've seen many times, and you see this on the news, is like, man, if there's like something going on, they're going to report on it ad nauseum, hour after yeah. hour after hour, but they're <laughs> saying the same thing over and over and over again. They have no new news, but they will stay on the air for eight hours if something is happening. And so man, just like honor your following. And if you have something to say, then say it, but you, we don't need to hear it over and over and over again because you're perpetuating it by putting it out so many times. Um, and I'm saying this for both sides. You know, I think it's important that, you know, those, those who also have been on the receiving end of the shame as well as those who have been on the receiving end of these offenses be held in honor and, and treated compassionately as human beings because we we're soul family, man. Like we, we've got to like raise the bar mm -hmm. for how we treat each other. Yes, we do. The second is to hold a higher standard for your organization and or outlet. If you find there's something that isn't ethical or crosses a line of um, conscious behavior, then own it, <laughs> own it. It happens, man. Like we are in a society that's evolving. What we once thought was okay and is no longer okay. We just didn't know what we, you know, like we, it, we didn't know back then. And to say, you know, we didn't know that we shouldn't harass people. Yeah. Well, we knew we shouldn't harass people, but we also were encouraged to harass as a way <laughs> to get what we wanted based on what society deems is accept acceptable. We're, we're encouraged to shame people based on all these media outlets that, you know, post these stories and, and, and act as if it's okay. So we emulate the behavior we see, recognize that in your organization and see where the behavior is being emulated from and then take action to rectify it swiftly. I, and I say swiftly because many take action immediately because they feel, oh my gosh, this is going to be a PR nightmare. We have to immediately go in and fire people and move people around. And we've got to hire somebody else that's the opposite sex. So it looks like we're doing something about it. And I've just seen this so many <laughs> times, but it's not like actual conscious management of the situation designed to actually resolve it in the future. I feel like we try to deal with the symptom without actually dealing with the issue. And then uh, and on that, you know, the third is to address the culture issue. So go beyond the person who offended and the person who was offended and think about how the culture of your organization supported this behavior. Consider who was aware and didn't report it. Take action on all sides. This means that we provide counseling for those who feel like they have been offended or assaulted as well as those who have assaulted or offended. Strong action and an honest conversation with staff about what happened, how it happened, and what is going to change to prevent it. These are critical steps. And, you know, this is a time, it's a somber time in an organization when stuff like this is going on because, 
you know, as you, I, I'm sure, have seen in an organization, hmm. especially like these large media outlets where you have thousands and thousands of employees, you know, this brings up the past for a lot of people. This brings up their own shame. Uh, it doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on. You know, this brings up shame and, and whatever experiences you've had in your past, present, and whatever experience you think you're going to have in your future. And so address the culture in, it, issue very directly and, and just be honorable in the way that you do it. Be honest, be human, you know, like let the business side like, like down a little bit when you're having these conversations, because this is human to human conversation. This is, this is humans hurting humans and hurt people hurt people. So Mm -hmm. if you understand that, then you know that there are hurt people in your organization that are hurting people. And that's creating more hurt people in the organization who will then likely hurt other people. So I want like this 360 degree view of how do we help everyone so that not only that it doesn't happen again, but like, even if I leave, like I walk away a better person. And on that note, that, that is one of the most conscious statements I've heard from someone in a very long time. I appreciate, highly appreciate you, Nicole, highly appreciate the tips that you provide and your willingness to be able to speak the truth because this is a a very serious topic and it doesn't always, because, you know, the news will report one side of it, you know, and that's, that's the things sometimes even in this whole shame game or public shaming, it's, it's very, very one-sided and, and not basically spread out. So people can be able to really decipher the, the truth inside of all the information. So mm-hmm. this is a very helpful uh, podcast today in terms of information for those who are looking to kind of be able to share their truth, but understand how to do it consciously. And if you are a target of shaming, you know, we consciously will, will seek your truth and, and seek for you to find uh, your inner peace and find a better self for yourself because we are conscious people and we're seeking to live a life uh, of, of conscious freedom amongst our society, our community, and to grow, grow people in, in learning what consciousness truly is. So on that note, thank you, thank you, thank you, Nicole. As always, the, the conscious queen uh, of, of, of information. This is the Conscious Marketing Podcast, Todd Social and Nicole Kelly, aka Nicole Kelly Rocks. Catch her on uh, Facebook or wherever you want to catch her at. But essentially, check out the Conscious Marketing Podcast, check out our our Conscious Marketing Mastermind coming up, as well as soon the Conscious Marketing Institute. Stay tuned for details, but until then, stay conscious. Thank you for joining the Conscious Marketing Podcast. We hope you found your inner superhero and have what you need to raise the bar for consciousness in the industry. If you like what you heard, please take the time to leave us a rating and review. Tell us what really works for you and what would make the show even better. Every review helps another conscious marketer find their way here. Want to have next week's episode automatically queued up for your Monday commute? Remember to subscribe before you leave. We thank you for your support. Please go to ConsciousMarketingPodcast.com for show notes, links, and other awesome resources. It is our honor to serve you. Now, let's go change the world.